the Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. It's got to the short side. Oh, it's Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi Rob, Zeebs here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! Welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. I'm joined once again in studio by the Evergreen Pat McCarry. Good morning. Wearing a lovely cardi. Oh, it's it's one of my, it's my old favourites there. It's uh, well-worn, but much loved. Excellent. And we're very happy to be joined on the line by Coventry Wasps Centre and will man Brendan Macken. Brendan, hello. Hello, hello. How are things? Good uh, morning. Doing pretty well. Yeah, it's good. Um, coming up a little bit later, Pat caught up with former Ulster prop John Afoa, who spoke at length about his time at Ulster and paid tribute to quote-unquote freaks of nature, Stevie <laughs> Ferris and Tommy Bow. Um, yeah, it's a good interview, that. Uh, yeah, John was, oh, he was in cracking form, yeah. yeah. He um, yeah, told us some stories about being a stag and stuff like that yeah. and some, some nights out on the, on the bus. And we'll be looking ahead to the, the weekend's uh, Champions Cup games. We're going through all the permutations there. Um, but Mr Mackin, I'm going to flash back to a 2009 Blackrock Senior Cup team. Um, that was a serious team. Andy Conway, Jordy Murphy, Dave Heffernan, Dennis Buckley and yourself. How were those days? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, Jesus. Um, yeah, no, it was great. Um, probably one of the most, up there, probably one of the most enjoyable, um, you know, um, actual playing years, uh, you know, I've had. And then to go on to see to see what the lads have done, um, you know, at, at, at club level, obviously, seeing seeing Hefo and, and Dennis going down, going win the championship in, in the in the Pro 12 was brilliant. And then the other two lads, um, the other two lads, seeing what they've done as well is uh it's been great and, and the fact is you know we're still so close now as well um, it's also great and we're, we're still speaking on a regular basis about um, you know about, about our games and stuff like that with each other um, and then going out and you know I played against um, played against Jordy two years ago and then played against Tefo and Dennis um, uh, last year so Andrew's the only one that I haven't I haven't got a, my hands on yet <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. It is. Is it funny now that um, with Jordy signing for Ulster, it was a uh, hat tip to Gav Komiski Actually, you spotted this in a piece. Um, as of next season, you'll all be playing your trade outside Leinster. That that probably isn't how you'd have seen it. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the time, probably not. But I think, I think. Um, well, Dennis and Dennis and Heffo will always say they were always going to Connacht because um, Dennis actually played his his interpro stuff with Connacht so he was he was always heading there but I think the rest of us always kind of thought we'd be staying in Dublin um, but that's just kind of how that's just kind of how it goes I think we've all we've all probably left at the perfect time really um, you know Andrew was obviously first to go and then I went after him and Jory's going this um, Jory's going at the end of this season but it's probably it's, I reckon the timing's been, been been perfect to be honest yeah, you've ended up in a decent, um, decent place over in Wasps. I mean, it, even looking at the names that surround you, uh, you went over. I think Jimmy Downey went over with you at the time. Uh, Willie Larue, Christian Raid, um, Kyle Eastman, Marcus Watson, former Sevens boy there, uh, Danny Cipriani, the um, the dual scrum half speed combo of Robson and Simpson, um, and learning from Curtly Beale. Not bad. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's you know it's. Um you know we're absolutely sport for choice here, and um, 
you know, my my, my first year, Charles Town, George Smith were there. And they're probably, you know, they're probably two of the most impressive players I've ever I've ever come across. Um, so um, this weekend it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be interesting up against Charles again. But um, the 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 talent within the squad is is uh, is crazy, and you know it obviously adds to um, you know the competition to get in to get on the team for the weekend. Um, but no, it's great. It's great. Really enjoy it. What's yeah. it like having um, sorry Pietau and the you know to be around and to train with? Is he is he throwing out new stuff all the time? Like is he a horrible guy to ever have like a one on one tackling drill with or? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Because his feet are, are bananas. They're absolutely lightning quick. Um, added to the fact he's base, you know, 100 kilos. And he's he's full of muscle. Um, so you, you never actually want to get yourself caught <laughs> in a one-on-one with Charles, because you'll you'll find yourself uh, you'll you'll probably look a bit silly. How about Christian Wade? Is he good in those drills? Christian is probably the fastest person. Um, I've ever, I've ever seen on a rugby pitch. Um, I think these GPS, we, we did, we were obviously all the teams would be wearing the, the, those GPS things, making time how quick you're going. And he's going about eleven meters per second, which is I don't think any rugby player is really touching that. Um, I think what's the really, 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 really quick guys would be getting ten point five, ten point six. Christian's regularly getting 11, 11.1, 11.2. So he's an ex-sprinter. So um, he's one of those guys who probably should have plenty more English caps. Um, he's just unlucky with uh, with selection and that. Because you know, I think before I joined, um, before I joined Ross, he scored some. He scored one unbelievable try um, in the RDS, uh, which I which Dara Fanning reminded me of there uh, last week. I remember that try. Yeah, that was a ridiculous finish out of nowhere. I just, just, out of out yeah. Of nowhere, yeah. The um, you play with Johnny May as well, though at Cluster. So who's who's faster in a straight line, fifty yards, Johnny May or uh, or Mister Wade? Um, Christian, yeah, Mister Wade. All right. So if you had the two of them, if you had the two of them in a track, um, if you had the two of them in a track, you'd say Mister Wade. But um, there's a fella, Ian Madigan, was telling me about called a guy called Matt Prother out of Bristol. Who 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 Ian reckons is, is is actually quicker than than Mr. Wade? So it'll be interesting next year if the two of them had a bit of a one-on-one. Jesus, is this lad English? Is he or can we claim him in any way? Yeah, he is. All right, he is. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's an English fella. Yeah, it's too late for a project player now. So it'll be five years now, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Have you what is it? Um, caught up with Ian over there? Like since he's got over there, at Bristol are flying it, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're like you know. It's, Spoke to him a couple of times. Um, yeah, they're 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 absolutely flying. And I think, um, you know, I think their their big test is when they come is when they come to the Premiership because they're more or less up now, really. Like they're they're not going to be caught. And that uh, that playoff system that that used to happen in the Championship's gone now. So I think their their real test is when they come up to the Premiership because um, they probably don't even have to get out of third gear and they'll win they'll win most most games by forty points. What happens, Brendan? What is it when? Because um, because you know with the Ireland squad being being announced and stuff like that. But like we've heard that Joe Schmidt kind of keeps track of everyone, and we talked to Chris Farrell, and he said that he sends them over clips and would give him the odd phone call. Like, do you, do you hear from the Irish? You know, not even Joe, but anyone from the Irish management team much? Like, would they be in touch saying, you know, we've looked at these clips from your game, anything like that? Um, are they good for, good for staying in touch that way? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, no, they are. To be fair, we we, we actually played um, both Connacht and Ulster in um, in pre-season friendlies, and then obviously Ulster were in our group in Europe. So um, they'd be keeping tabs on that way, especially if if the, if you know if we find ourselves playing against English teams. Ireland squad time, right? So uh, announced yesterday. It's fresh off the presses. Uh, presses. We have a number of ins and a number of outs, Pat. Mm. Um, Let's go through the ins and outs, I think, because all the all the main big names are there, so there's no surprises. But uh, first, McFadden in, uh, Mr. Larmer's in, yeah. Ray Scannell's in, Sean Cronin's back in, Joey Carver straight in after his injury. Uh, no Dave Kearney, no Darren Sweetnam, no Stuart McCluskey, uh, and John Cooney wasn't able to make it in. Uh, what was your first reaction? Yeah, you're looking for the surprise names sometimes when you're going through that, and the ones that jumped out at me were McFadden uh, and Quinn Roo. And then just to see um, that, yeah, just Cooney wasn't there. So those were the kind of three ones that kind of stood out to me. But um, again, yeah, there's like, let's say you just start up with someone like McFadden in good form at the moment. Seems to be a favourite of Joe Schmitz as well. And a guy who kind of can come in and do the job. I was saying, I don't think for me he'd be in like a match day 23 going to Paris or anything. But then if he was, he wouldn't let you down. That's that's almost what he's known for. He's just, yeah. he won't let you down. He's, he's that type of a guy. Like, and uh, just rewarded. He kind of hit form at the right time. Brendan, yeah, no, I, I actually completely agree. I think I think you know, Fur is one of those guys who um, you know he's unbelievably brave, um, and that's exactly it. He won't let you down. He's the type of guy. Whereas if you're you know, say tough game against the French, and and, and he he's he's almost the perfect guy that you want out there. Added to the fact now he's you know he's he's playing some great stuff. Um, you know that. That lovely step off his right foot. I think it was to leave to leave Stockdale um, uh, to score that try, and then um, you know he he set up Jordan Armour as well in that game. So yeah, I, I actually think for um, you know really really deserves a spot. I'm I'm delighted to see him back in there. Same with Sean Cronin as well. Like he's he's playing excellent. Um, John Cooney's one of those guys I thought you know who would would probably be in, uh, but he's only bringing two scrum halves though, is he? No, he's bringing three. Yes, so that's Jeremy um, and McGrath and Murray. Yeah. So they're all in. So this is the one where I, I don't think it's a surprise given that the three have been embedded in the Irish setup for some time. But it would have been great to see Cooney in because he has been in in serious form. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he's been brilliant. And uh, added to the fact, you know, he's goal kicking and he's taken on so much more responsibility up there. And um, you know, his box kicking's been on the money and his his game management's been on the money it would, it would have been great to see him in there mm, you played with him under 20s as well didn't you yeah I played with him I played with both Karen and John yeah um, and uh, to be fair they're two 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 excellent scrum halves um, you know I think Ireland are actually um, are spoiled for choice with their nines um, and, and then Connor obviously is, is is probably you know arguably could probably one of the best nines around uh, around at the moment so the um, Sean Cronin both in form and Niall Scannell's injury means that the hookers probably picked themselves um, Pat to be fair Yeah well like he, he was coming back and it would have been interesting to see if they were all there as well um, you know would Sean have made the cut because I don't think he made even that little mini camp they had in Carton House there last month either so it looked like he was on the outside and I don't know what work he had to do to get back but um, just kind of benefited maybe from just getting that run like with James Tracy getting injured and, and Rickard being injured as well 
finally getting a, a starting run showing that he can come off like in, from the start of the game it's not just a kind of bench impact player and it was good to see because he's been coming close to scoring tries all year and it's actually getting over the line at the weekend it makes a big difference I think for someone like Sean as well so um, I can all of a sudden see him stepping in right again just backing up Rory Best and uh, Rob Herring is just a safe pair of hands to kind of throw in but it'll be I think I would say for Paris Best and Sean Cronin Yeah Cronin was going very close to a few tries I noted that because I had him in my fantasy Pro 14 <laughs> for most of the season and he'd get stopped like three yards yeah, off the yeah. lane the line two phases later Leinster score and I'm going ah Jesus <laughs> um, the Rory scandal over McCluskey do we think that was a straight shootout between the two? Yeah well it's like you just kind of got the sense again like like I didn't think McCluskey had that bad a game against Fiji but after that game it's just you're like Dwight Schmidt was talking about errors and stuff being made you're just like there's going to be a couple of guys who paid a price for not having a great game against Fiji and McCluskey seems to be a guy who's just he's just always like one step away from the door and he's out again and in, I, I've been watching him for in a lot of Ulster's Champions Cup games and just such a good player he's getting off great offloads again at the weekends again La Rochelle enjoyed himself out there um, and then Scannell who's but uh, Scannell is another guy who's all of a sudden getting a run of games he wasn't before uh, in 2017 he is now so he gets it like I'm not I'm not upset about that because I think Scannell's a great player and he's a different type of 12 yeah yeah so but Again, does the you'll have McCloskey and you'll have you know Ulster upset about Cooney and McCloskey and then Connacht are giving out about Tiernan O'Halloran maybe not being there again. So uh, valid points again, but you know I'm not going to complain with Rory Scannell being in that squad. Mm. Uh, Jordan Larmer, there are the clips of Jordan Larmer seem to be travelling all over the place. Uh, is there much chat about about what he's doing over in England, Brendan? Yeah, especially after that. Um Especially after the try scored against Munster. To be fair, I think I watched it with uh, I watched that with a few of the lads, and you know, I think after that, I think er- like everyone was, was 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 thinking, "Who the hell is this guy?" And um, I actually think he reminds me of Rob a small bit. The way he runs, kind of, um, you know, that explosive that explosivity he's got, and the way his back's a bit hunched. But um, he is uh, he's absolutely on fire at the moment. It's great to see him. It's great to see him included. Um, for a young guy, he like the it looks like any occasion, any big occasion doesn't really doesn't really phase and he kinda of takes it in his stride and I've actually heard from um you know fellas over here at Stuart Lancaster's meant to be excellent with, with young lads, um a couple of lads in, in our squad who had him uh when they were up at, up at the at, um the Leeds Academy and he, he he's meant to be really, really good at, at bringing you know, guys nineteen, twenty, twenty one into a first team and, you know, making sure that they're they're mentally right as well as uh, as well as physically right and he seems to be doing a great job at Leinster. There was a, you were saying that Andy myself and Andy were both at the uh, the Leinster game at the weekend, Brendan, and we both noticed this moment where um just Glasgow punted the ball um, just straight into Larmer's hands he had around 30 yards of space in front of him and um, there was just this moment as well as Andy wasn't there where you just there was an intake of breath in the stadium where everyone's waiting to see what Larmer's going to do here and he didn't disappoint did he? The entire ground seemed to sort of sit back reach for the popcorn and go right off you go Jordan <laughs> this is going to be amazing um, and it's just weird that's an uncommon feeling it was more than a sound yeah it was a feeling in the ground um, and I suppose it was the combination of him and Lowe as well which is actually what happened yeah in that move uh, which is it's good it's box office um, though yeah Lowe against uh, against Matawalu was its own little <laughs> <Yeah>. entertainment thrill <laughs> the um, so if you're when you're facing a player like that Brendan I mean it what do you do? Okay, I know this sounds like a really 
stupid question, but if you see a guy with, with feet like that coming from fullback, how do you plan to play against it? Well, you, you try and make sure that you're not left, you know, you're not left kind of alone, you're not left stranded, so he's able to, like, he's able to pick which side he can do, you know, kind of got to make sure the two, the guys on either side of you are, are kind of, you know, are, are, are level with you and are, are staying nice and square just in case he, if he does beat you, he can, he can almost beat you into, you know, if if if, if it's me, you and, uh, if it's me, you and, if, if, if it's me, you and Pat, um, you know, he beats me, he can go straight into Pat's channel and I can deal with him, do you know? Yeah, I'd definitely deal with him. You're right, dealing yeah. with him, Pat. It's your job, right? I'll bend down to tie my shoelaces and see see how that works. Yeah, I'll be down injured having a break. <laughs> I was just thinking, Brendan, what is it with? Uh, let's say you know the likes of Larmer. Like the more you see of him, the more video analysis is going to be of him. Like, did you ever find that when you were a player yourself that like you'd kind of you'd have a couple of moves that would work, but all of a sudden somebody would work you out, or you had to kind of come up with new stuff? Yeah, I think that's like that's kind of the way. It's, you know, I think. Um, you know, people exactly that. People, people will be expecting. People will be expecting that to, um, you know, um, expect Jordan to do that. I remember when I, I first came into Leinster. Um, you know, I kind of like to go on the outside of guys, and I did, I did it a couple of times. You know, I had a bit of success, and then you know it was kind of my go-to, and it was actually Ferg was was defending against me, Ferg McFadden, mm. and I did the exact same thing, and I got the ball and kind of going on, on that arc, and he was there waiting for me, and he absolutely. You know, he he absolutely ended me because he knew it was coming. Um, I think that's the thing that when when you know, for example, if I was playing against Jordan Armour, like in, in September, I wouldn't be expecting, you know, I wouldn't be expecting him to do, um, you know, for example, to score the try that he scored against Munster. But now, if I'm playing against him at the weekend, you know, I'm going to be fully aware of you know of his feet, of his pace. Um, I think that's you know that that'll be the that'll be the test now for him when. Defenses are, you know, he's probably going to be, he's definitely that guy now during the week, um, you know, up, up on the, up on the board and, and in the analysis room, and um, you know, his name will be there saying, you know, probably Lancer's biggest threat, um, you know, his feet, his pace. So, you know, the opposition will be waiting for, the opposition will be waiting for him, and then that'll be, that'll be a test of, of um, you know, of him now. Now, one name isn't in the squad, and we completely expected this because this is the way it works, is Tyburn. Um, so, <laughs> imagine there's a world where Tyburn actually stays in Wales and ends up playing for Wales because he'd qualify. Anyway, we won't go there. Um, hell of a performance this week for him, and in fairness, it's nothing new from anyone who's been watching him for the last uh, couple of seasons. Yeah, that was unreal, wasn't it? He, you just see Twitter going crazy, and, and like anybody who was catching that game was not only raving about Scarlets, but raving about this man, and this guy was almost playing like he was in the back line. He just kept showing up in moves all the time. And the, the step for the try was... Uh, like, uh, to leave, it wasn't it? Jonathan Joseph and Anthony Watson on their on their ass like yeah. was unbelievable. Like and uh, To do that at pace was great, wasn't it, Brendan? Oh, absolutely, you know... Um, you know, I'm because he's such he's such a great guy, uh, Tyke, and it's, it's it's absolutely brilliant to see him see him come. So I just wish people could start getting his name right. Everyone calls him Tag Burns over here. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so t- Tag Burns. I'm thinking, who the hell's Tag Burns? Then I realise I'm oh, Tyke Burn. Um, but yeah, no, he's going to be so massive for Munster next year. Um, oh, and then no doubt he'll be in a green he'll be in a green jersey potentially this summer once he kind of once he's um, once he's over there he's an interesting player because the way he plays especially getting onto the ball it's not your usual second row you know role if he's there not even the usual back row yeah. um, it's almost as if he's a second row shaped open side at times 
Yeah, he's what? Yeah, no, yeah, he is, isn't he, Brendan? He's just like kind of just showing up in support all the time and just kind of dipping in and kind of doing doing his doing. He actually gets the work done because you can see the amount of turnovers he gets as well. Mm. But like showing up and all of a sudden in the middle of moves, like you know. So it's not just that uh, some of it are set plays and some of them is just this engine that this guy has on him and the awareness of kind of where to be in the attack and and the passing ability he has as well. Like Scarlets are unreal and just you know Pivac is doing an absolutely unreal job, isn't he at the moment? And and uh, did you get to catch much of that uh, game, Brian, at all at, at the weekend? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. We were down in London for our game against Quinn, so I was able to watch the whole thing. And um, just the brand that the um, you know the Scarlets are playing, as you said, Stephen Jones and 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 Pivac are doing are doing an unbelievable job. But I think that's the thing with Tyke as well. Like he said that he's he's, he's like a background. I actually watched um, the Scarlets play against the Ospreys over Christmas. I think he played eight that day. Um, so and it, and it looks like that they've given him a complete license to to go and fetch the ball and he's just absolutely um, reveling in that but all those I think the Scarlets could be a side that you know could surprise a couple of people this year obviously they went on and won the they won the championship last year um, beat Munster in the EV but Bath could live with them um, and they're missing you know Jonathan Davies um, they're back they're, their entire back three uh, and they went on and, and they did that sort of job on Bath so they're a serious force to be reckoned with yeah, and I suppose one um, one name we can't leave this chat go by is uh, Tommy Bow. Tommy Bow is announced his retirement now. Uh, there is a man who served Ulster rugby and Ireland pretty well, Pat. Yeah, oh, unbelievable player and um, served and still a cult hero in, in Ospreys as well to go over there and win a couple of titles and um, score a rake load of tries for them as well and just just yeah big lad well liked within the squad like total you know great pro um, just some great memories I remember he was doubted around the times and I know it's we're talking about maybe one man in particular again an RTE <laughs> banging the table and giving out about him saying he has no pace but I don't know who you can be talking about Pat a certain I yeah, can't break your code yeah a certain what is it um <laughs> a certain Mr Hook was kind of giving out about him at the time and this man has doubted him and Bo came back and proved everybody wrong and I remember just that just he was in unbelievable form I know everybody talks about that Grand Slam game and yeah it is the one to talk about maybe I was going to go for a hipster choice there but I remember that game away to, to France and he scored two tries and two amazing tries um, over in Paris and that just kind of shows you that when, when it was a big occasion he'd step up and 30 tries for Ireland as well like he's um, just knew where the try line was so physical and you can just see O'Gara O'Driscoll you know Ferris everybody who played with him just coming out and raving about him is just a sign of one of the legends of, of, of recent Irish rugby he's, 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 he's an incredible athlete um, unbelievably professional you know I think I'll always remember that try he scored against Wales um, to win the Grand Slam when I think uh, O'Gara did the cross kick and he picked it up and he chained Williams hunting him down and you know Williams didn't even get a finger on him and you know that just shows how quick he was um, that's always that's a, that's a try he scored which I'll always remember yeah I'd like to thank the uh, people of Wales Ospreys in particular because for my money he just came back came back better, a yeah. serious player um, mm. from that experience playing the centre as well I think it made him um, but listen well done Tommy thank you very much uh, Right, listen, Brendan will be back in to answer your Twitter questions later. But Pat, you were talking to John Afoa. 
Yeah, yeah, I was chatting to him there uh, this week. He was just came from the treatment room and uh, found him in really good form. Um, doing well with Gloucester this year. I think they're up to fourth in the Premiership and they have a couple of home games. So uh, maybe that added to his mood. But um, I really enjoyed the interview. It was good. It was good chat. Yeah, the uh, the Beaver comes up. <laughs> um, there is a bit of an SOS call from Ulster after he won the World Cup. That must have been a. You, you'll hear about this. This is this was a <laughs> tough few weeks for John Afoa and the family. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's good. Um, listen, I was, I was going to go through a few things in your career, but I wanted to um, kick off uh, back in back in your school days, uh, back in New Zealand. And uh, I was reading yeah. up, I was reading up that you were once played with, I suppose, in, at a school level with with Joe Rocacoco and and Jerome Kano. How, how was that experience? No, it was all good. It was all good. Now um, we all sort of grew up in the same sort of area, um, like back home in uh, South Auckland. And there was another guy too. We all played uh, under 15s together. Steve Donald. Ah, uh, yes. The big man from 2011 World Cup. So we all played under 15s together. So then um, then we all went to high school. And then just somehow we're lucky enough that uh, me, Joe, and Jerome uh, met up and we all went to the same school for our last three years at um, college. So uh, we had a good team and also played some good rugby for our school. Um, were you the, 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 the real man behind Stephen Donald's deciding to join Ulster? Were you happy enough to hear that that, that deal had happened? Yeah, and I listened the other day. I was like, oh, mate. Get over there. It's going to big city. Um, you know, passing one of the boys, phone them, but you know, you got to look after the boys, make sure he's living in the right areas, doing the right things. And uh, yeah, no, I told him uh, he'll enjoy his time first. Uh, and what type of a, a man is he like? You know, what what are we kind of to expect when he arrives in Ireland? Oh, he's got the deepest voice you ever met. <laughs> Tall uh, New Zealander. He's got a uh, really, really deep voice. So that would freak you out. Um, Mate, he's one of those teams that never passed the ball. So, um, you know, those boys like Casey and Luke Marshall, they're not going to see much for the next three weeks. <laughs> uh, he loves the show and go. So. And he got a decent kick on it when he does connect with the ball. But uh, he'll be good value, and I think the fans will enjoy him. And, and you mentioned South Auckland um, for yourself. What, what part of um, Auckland did you grow up in? No, I grew up in South Auckland, so a town called Pepperkirk. Oh, yeah. I yeah. spent my whole life there. But then I um, was lucky enough to sort of, once I started left school, I uh, was in the sort of Auckland team and then uh, moved straight into the city and just to be close to training so then that was it uh, was like enough to play all those years and fast forward all 16 years and I'm still going with Gloucester yeah because yeah. yeah you're from a good under 21 side there I see I think you won your, your two under 21 uh, world championships and then kind of fast tracked into that um, New Zealand team I think your debut was against Ireland back in 2005 can you remember much of that game? Yeah, and no, I do, I do. Like, you know, in New Zealand, it's sort of like a real race to try to get into the ABs. Like, you play your 19s and your 21s, and if you're sort of not making it when you're 23, 24, you know, you're, you're mostly not good enough, and all these other guys are idiots. So I'm uh, very lucky to play uh, those under-21 tournaments, um, get the wins of some good boys, and like you said, you made my debut in 2005. And uh, I remember well, because I think the night before, they had a, a fire at the stadium, and a lot of Kiwis um, weren't able to, like get to the ground because some of the stadium was all burnt down um, and, but yeah it was me and Jason Eden made our debut and uh, I think it was a scrappy enough one because we had play, played Wales the week before a few tired bodies but um, uh, it was just great to win on debut and make that first sort of start I, I think yeah what they did in, after that fire was they just had a big banner of Brian O'Driscoll didn't they at the one end of the ground so uh, and, yeah yeah and for you guys it would have been all the drama too with Tana as well because obviously there was O5 Lions tour and I remember the week we uh, brought it up to it, like all the press was hounding Portana. Uh, he didn't play the game, but, um, you know, all the boys just wanted to make sure they got the job done. 
And did you get a night out in Dublin then after it? Did you guys have a chance to have a, a night or two off before you kind of went on on your, no, on your tours? Yeah, the boys like, you know, the Abus are a good team and they look after the guys. I think a lot of the boys just wanted to stay in and stay local because obviously the media brought up before the game and uh, was having a couple of quiets at the hotel because I think it was a grand slam year that year. We might have played England the week after, then we finished in Scotland. Oh, yeah, so yeah. we had a big tour on and wanted to make sure we do the floor and I think we ended up doing it. Um, getting the Grand Slam. Yeah, it was a pretty good team. Like to look back on that, you rock. Like you know, I know the the All Blacks team had won the two World Cups back to back. But um, was that one of the best All Black teams of all time? You you were part of back then in two thousand and five. Yeah, it was a good team there. Yeah, I think it was a real start. Obviously, O three didn't go to plan, and then new management around O four didn't go so well. But you know, when they had those guys of like Richie and uh, you know Jerry. Uh, Carter, Cameron, uh, all those boys just met in their spots. Molina, Smith, you know, Ali. So all these guys that sort of were just, you know, they couldn't get out of the team. They were, they were great in class for the ABs for a good six, seven years and got them through that 05, 06 um, period. Obviously, another hookup in 07, but trusting the coaches to go all the way and, and you know, it's panned out for them. Yeah, yeah. I see. What was it? Um, maybe in the middle of all that, you were a few years into your career, but um, there was an idea that you might be a hooker. Like they might have uh, got you playing as a hooker. How many games did you get playing in the number two jersey? Nah, only a couple. Um, and obviously, we were very lucky at one stage. They had Heyman there. They had um, this on the t- tight end side. They had Greg Somerville, who was there. Uh, Tialada, myself, uh, Clark Dimity. They had all these five rows, but they had a real shortage of hookers. Um, they had Mialamu, um, they had Hoare, but their third hooker choice um, was a bit spin, uh, a bit thin on the ground. So I thought it would be a good idea to sort of try and convert one of their props. And I think I was the shortest and smallest, so <laughs> I got the nod, but only lasted for a few months. Um, I found a couple of new guys, Flinny come into the fold, a few other boys come in, and um, that was it. It was nice, but no, I do enjoy playing prop rather than hooker. And how did it all work out then? Because what was it you got to finish off in a great high like winning the World Cup in 2011 uh, in Auckland as well your hometown And but you had already agreed at that stage had you to, to join Ulster how did, how did that exactly come about? Yeah well I sort of was going through reviews and contract stuff with New Zealand and just felt like I was at a good stage in my career where you know I was just going through negotiations and I was sort of stalling they came for me to stay but nothing was really moving and then um, you know, I got this offer from Ulster, and you know, we just thought, you know, I've done a good few years. Um, there was a lot of travel back then for like Super Rugby, uh, Tri Nations. You're away pretty much for two months, and then you go on India tour for six weeks. So um, I had a couple of young kids, and we thought, you know, what, well, might be a good chance to go away and sort of sit in some club rugby, where you know the five week tours and the six week tours would be a thing of the past. So. Um, yeah, signed for Ulster early January. Told the coaches they were they were all happy enough. But the big thing for me was I was on like eighty something games for the Blues, and we had I had to play every game of Super Rugby and make the playoffs to get to a hundred. Mm. And uh, I was lucky enough we did that. And, and then again, going on to be part of the twenty eleven World Cup was amazing too. And then, how much of a break did you get after winning the World Cup before you arrived in Ulster? Like, did you get a chance oh, to? Zip, mate, zip. Nah. <laughs> David done me over, mate. Like, uh, I think the game was on a Sunday. So the World Cup was on a Sunday, so we've done that. Uh, I think the IRB awards were Monday night, so the boys had gone out again after that. And then I got an email and a call from my agent. He's like, "Oh, look, uh, one of their props have gone down in Ulster. Uh, can you fly over on Wednesday?" I was just like, "Are you joking?" I was going to have three weeks to 
pack up the house and uh, Jerome Kano was getting married. I was the best man, so I wasn't meant to leave for another three or four weeks. I was just like, I just don't know. And they're like, oh, it'll be a good sign that you committed to the club. So, uh, so World Cup was on Sunday. I think I flew out on the, the Tuesday or Wednesday, got to Belfast on the Thursday, um, played at Connick for 20 minutes, and then we had uh, Claremont at home. And, uh, was uh, played in that game. I was lucky enough got, we got the win, and that sort of helped set us up to make the final in uh, 2011, 2012, Ulster. Mm. And, and what is it? Did, did you then have to give the bad news to Jerome then, or did you get back to fly over for his wedding? No, then? no. Well, I flew all the way back to New Zealand. Had a week in New Zealand to go to the wedding, pack up the house, and grab the kids, and then fly all the way back. So uh, my missus wasn't overly happy, but that's just rugby. You know, he's got to roll off the punches. And what is it the you know once you get into um, Ulster I know they're kind of a tight enough team and they like to give lads nice warm welcomes when they get over did you did you have a nice kind of be brought out for a few drinks in the first couple of weeks when you arrived over yeah well it was all business at the start with Ulster because we had the Europe stuff but mm. um, obviously one of the other Kiwis he was there Derek Payne so I was with him for a little bit um, but then when I got there with the family and I was great obviously they had a, a reasonably settled team um, some great Irish players, a couple of good like foreigners with you and then um, Ruan there. Yeah, then you know it was just a great family team, and, and I was I really enjoyed my time there. Cause we had a great rugby team and um, a great coaching staff, and we've done some good things. But just obviously Leinster was just that little bit better beating us in two finals. And you'd actually like you still see maybe even on, on on the likes of Twitter and stuff you'd still be in touch with a lot of the Ulster lads and and having a bit of slagging on on online with them. But um, are there a couple of them that you actually really kind of regularly stay in touch with? Yeah, and I think you know most teams when you move club you sort of don't. It's only the odd time you get the text them, but I try and message the boys now and then. I talk to Big Stevie now and then. I uh, see how he's going when I see his ugly mug on TV <laughs> or he's trying to promote stuff online, you know what I mean, as he does. He's <laughs> um, a bit tummy today, you know, with his news coming out the last few days, so wish him well. And, you know, a lot of those boys like Pano and uh, he, uh, Greg Gilmore and all those lads, um, you know, you do two and a half years with a team, it's hard not to, like, keep in touch and, and uh, do all that kind of stuff and build those bonds. And what do you think of Ferris? What is it now that he's the pundit uh, every now and then just sticking the boot into to Ulster? Do you think it's. <laughs> ah, he's right. He is, uh, he's harsh on the boys, but he, you know, he tells it like it is. And he's like a good eye for the game. And um, nah, I do enjoy the summary now and then for the BBC uh, Northern Ireland Channel when he's lucky enough to get on Sky Sports. But. Um, yeah, that big Steve. I've got plenty of time for him. He's a real class lad. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned someone like Tommy there as well. Um, any kind of good experiences or kind of anything stand out from your time playing with him? Yeah, well, he's just a big man, you know what I mean? Like, well, obviously playing on him a few times, there had some special players, but, you know, those two sort of real freaks of nature. Like, um, you know, I think big Stevie, when he was fit, you know, it would be hard to beat him another number six that was more quick and more powerful than he was and, and you know Tommy was just a giant man that could run fast so um, I remember when he'd done his poor knee we played Northampton and we'd just done the back-to-back in Europe and we we'd got a good win away um, over Northampton and we were stuck in a real arm wrestle I think it was like 9-6 or something at home that Raven Hall and Tommy gets the ball and he's pretty much away clear run to the trial and so on ankle tapped him and then he's busted his knee and then he was out for the rest of the year but he was just doing stuff like that and like on the verge of winning games for us or pulling a special play out for us 
And, and was it we kind of seeing like a, you know your own kind of journey of coming over, having been an established all black, and then kind of maybe maybe leaving a little bit earlier, like in your twenties, to kind of come over to Europe. You kind of see the likes of Sapuagas coming over now from Highlanders and joining Wasps. Like, uh, is, is it a tough decision to make? Like, is it um, is is money the kind of main thing there? Is it kind of to try and set your family up for life? Is is that the main motivation? Yeah, I think everyone's different. You know, for me, I had done enough in, in rugby. Like, I was really content and I had no regrets like um, about leaving and you know I think those younger boys who come over now maybe they're thinking they got a plan to go back or or to do stuff like that you know like big Steve Lord sort of talking about he might keen to get back because he's only you know he's much younger than like myself when I left but you know that's a big decision to leave because you never know what's going to happen you might really find that you find your feet and enjoy yourself or you might not so uh, it's a big decision when you're by yourself or with family to go home to a new place but I think generally rugby is such a, a community sport and, um, you know, every team will take you under their wing. So it's hard to say what motivates the boys, but I think it's great for the rugby up in Northern Hemisphere, getting these talented players from all these different countries, bringing a good brand of rugby to the tournament. And you kind of seeing like just how harsh rugby can be in a way with, with what's going on with Jared, like kind of a guy you said you get on well with. Have you been in touch with him? Like, um, you know, hopefully he'll get back soon enough. But it's kind of tough to to see a guy going through something like that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I know it is. You know what I mean? Like, go on such a high, sort of go away off the lines, uh, get an injury, and then just sort of not being able to get back. And you know, also in some good form at the moment, some good wins of late and you know I'm sure he's desperate to get back out there last time I chatted to him you know he was sort of just training and just trying to get the body right because there's one thing with like the head but you know if you're not training and getting those knocks you don't want to come back too early then you break your body so he's smart enough he knows what to do so you know they've got a good medical team good trainer of JD over there and hopefully we'll see him back soon enough and, and then in terms of yourself with Gloucester now you've been there been there a while and um, going really well this season and a couple of home games coming up um, the ambition to kind of climb that table a little bit more yeah I just think we're just trying to like get things going similar to when I was at Ulster you know I think now we've got a really good balanced team an older team and we just know how we want to play and what works for us you know we're not trying to copy anyone stuff uh, the coach has got an idea how he wants to play but he wants to make it sort of natural for the boys so if they want to tweak it a little bit then he's more than happy for the boys to tweak it and do play to our strength so seems to be working at the moment you know sort of through that Christmas period and it's all sort of goes quick now so it's about managing the boys making sure we get through injury free and make the best run as possible for the last sort of run to the end of the season and what about yourself in terms of playing on are you are going to flog yourself flog the body for another couple of years yet? Ah, uh, yeah, well, we'll see how we go. I think I want to play for a few more years, but, you know, the kids are a bit older now. We've been away for sort of seven, seven and a half years from New Zealand, and my wife had gone back for Christmas, and, you know, the kids had saw their cousins and their family, and I think she felt like it was important that we don't stay too long because, you know, our majority of our roots are back there, and um, get those kids sort of back into that New Zealand lifestyle, walking around bare feet, mate, <laughs> climbing trees, you know, as they do. It's too cold to climb anything over here. Everything's got frost on it. <laughs> Listen, perfect. Listen, cheers for that, John, and good luck with the rest of the season. And, uh, yeah, I hope things go well for you guys. No worries. Cheers, mate. Thanks. All the best. Kick and there's belief there for Ireland, and maybe there's something in this. Maybe the opportunity is there. It is Tommy Bo gathers, Bo gathers, Bo gathers,
Welcome to the match previews. Myself and Pat are going to continue our head-to-head and we're going to try and talk you through the permutation for this weekend because it's a belter. <laughs> uh, right, going back to the important stuff, right? 1-0 uh, to Pat last week. It was a sneaky 1-0 win there, yeah. Very sneaky tactics going on here, yeah. But well done. So yeah. it's now 60-52. Uh, to 52, 52 yeah. So that's a called Ulster right and that was about it. But yeah. uh, delighted that I got at least one right from last weekend. Yeah, I got nothing right. Um, okay, let's, let's quickly through the, the, the Irish fixtures anyway. Um, so Montpellier play Leinster. Leinster, um, this was actually no handicap for a long time, but Leinster are two-point favourites now, um, down in Montpellier. Uh, I could see this match going either way. Yeah. Really. Um, it's actually a good thing it's the start of the weekend, because at least both teams have to play. Technically, Montpellier have a chance, but not really. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd say a narrow loss to Leinster would be no surprise to me. So that's what I will go. I will go for Leinster to actually cover, but they're not going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm going to go for Leinster to win as well. They just keep impressing me, and um, you know, normally when you hear coaches at the end of the game saying, "Well, we're not thinking about the quarters; it's all about next week," you'd you'd kind of you'd say this is just pure spin. But I actually do believe it with this Leinster squad. They're they're very they're very focused this season and they just have such depth as well and this might be the last game a lot of the boys play now before the, the Six Nations the last proper run out so they're going to give it a, a proper whack I'd say so I, I'm not happy enough to back Leinster in that so one two Leinsters there yeah right, okay. uh, Munster 28 point favourites against <laughs> Cast right um, 82 points favourites Jesus this is like it's a huge line um, I'm going Castro on this uh, but this we'll, we'll get into the permutations now in a mm-hmm. second but this has um there's a lot of stuff riding in this game for for everyone involved throughout the competition. It's actually a crucial cog in the wheel. Uh, so I'm going. I'm going Castro to finish inside that. Um, I could get roundly whipped on this one, but what yeah, you I'll just I'll go I'll go against you there and go Munster and okay. but then 28 massive, but it could easily could easily be 40. Yeah, uh, Wasps against Ulster. This is a funny one. Um, Ulster originally started out favourites for this game, and now it swung all the way around to Wasps. So Wasps are four point favourites. Uh, the good thing is that no matter what happens when we get to the end of this, um, the end of this weekend, those games will still be live. So Wasps will have a chance of going through no matter what happens in Either any other end. game, right? Um, so I am going for Ulster in this. It might be a hard thing. Yeah, but uh, going on Ulster. I think I'm going to go. Um, although we've, we've gone the same for everything, so I'll just for the sake of difference, I'll go. I'll go wasps on it, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if if Ulster get the job done. And and it is funny. It's. it's I wonder if people think with Lima Sapoaga kind of signing up, do they think he's going to arrive this weekend? Like you know, is that why the betting has kind of changed so drastically? It's kind yeah. of a crazy turnaround, isn't it? And no, James Haskell. No, and yeah, like it's it's it was very funny listening to all the old ex English rugby internationals saying that you know we shouldn't have even got a red card. I think you should have. Let the boys play. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but I, should, I think he should have. Uh, but you know, I'll just he'll be stewing about that. He went to make a hit, and that's the the price he had to pay there. Yeah, there's another one where you get your early remorse tweet in. <laughs> Seems to count. Yeah, um, it seems to be a trend. Okay, so let's get into the uh, the bit, the really exciting bit, right? So the permutations. <laughs> what happens? Okay, so so right now throw this week's table out the window because there's going to be a couple of results that are just going to happen so Munster are going to be cast if I could show people I wish people could see Andy's uh, permutations list here it's, it's a lot of homework a lot of post-its <laughs> so A4 sheet A3 if the sheet. bookies are alright 
right, this is how it looks. It's mm-hmm. Leinster top seeds, 27 points. Claremont slipping a second with 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's narrow win, no bonus point over Ospreys. That's thoroughly reasonable. Uh, Munster bonus point win um, will get them into third and 21. La Rochelle bonus point win against Quinn gets them into uh, 21. They, they're behind on points difference. Scarlet squeaking the win against Toulon. Mm. They're also Whoa. on 21 points. So this is all coming down to points difference. Um, then you're getting into the second places. It's Toulon 19, Racing 19. That'll be a Toulon narrow defeat to Scarlet's. Racing narrow win uh, at Leicester. Uh, and then you've got a clutch of teams on 18 points with all a very similar points difference of between 30 and 40. This is going to be a squeaker. And <laughs> I, I've gone through like the various, okay, what are the reasonable upsets? Uh-huh. So an Osprey narrow win in Claremont doesn't change the equation that much. You know, it gets Ospreys in, not other people are screwed. Yeah, uh, Ulster beat Wasps. If Ulster beat Wasps, that throws a number of different things around. Ulster move up into 21, but they would lose the tiebreaker to La Rochelle. So the tiebreakers will come into play this weekend if we get some of these upsets. There's even some like three-way tiebreakers. <laughs> so they, they, if, if Ulster even get to 21, like I, was, I would have thought they're bang on then for a home quarter final as well, but um, do they need the bonus point even to get that? If, if, right, so if Ulster beat Wasps um, but don't get the bonus point, uh, they are going to lose the tiebreaker. They need the bonus point. Oh, lose the tiebreaker as in they might not even get into the, the quarterfinals. Even if they, they would win. get into the tie into the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. but as a second place team, because yeah. Larishel have the tiebreaker, right? So similarly, if Larishel, if if there is a scenario here, when I said wasps are still alive, if wasps, Ulster and Larishel uh, all finish level on points, wasps win the tiebreaker because you have to take Quinns out. Oh. Of, and then you've got your own mini league table. That's how it works. You, you're just using the games between the teams involved within the group. Yeah. So it's crazy. There's a world here where cast go through with a negative points difference. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that world. <laughs> it's one of the craziest ones. It's one of the closest ones ever, isn't it? That, that um, you know, normally you always have two or three sides that like blitz their group and then everybody else is scrapping for seconds. But yeah. this is kind of only Leinster seems to be the only dominant team and everybody else has been you know, you could have lost. You know, even yeah, even look at cast there. You could still get through at this stage. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not going to see like last year. Like Toulon got through with sixteen points. That, that's not happening. Mm. You need minimum of eighteen to get through here, and there's a, a number of scenarios where you need a minimum of nineteen to be in the conversation. Um, but so here's another aspect of this weekend. It's definitely not uh, beyond the men's possibility that there are no English sides in the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's ex- do Exeter have the best chance here, or is it? You think Exeter right now? Exeter are have the best chance, and they're going away to Glasgow. Which they're is going away to Glasgow, not a given. Yeah, like Glasgow can play. Uh, Saracens and Bath are in trouble because they, even if they get big bonus point wins, they still only get to eighteen. So Exeter, they can get up to nineteen or even just 18, their points difference is already pretty good. Mm. But they're they're hardly going to give Glasgow a hiding. But let's say Exeter don't get a bonus point win in Glasgow, right? Um, if Ospreys win in Claremont, the English sides are all in trouble. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? If Ulster beat Wasps, the English sides are all in trouble, right? Because the, the entire table changes and all the 18-pointers fall out. So Wasps, at the end of this weekend, could be fighting for the entire premiership. 
<laughs> right? Wasps and Quins could be fighting for the premiership. This is how it's weird It's funny this how is. it all turns around, isn't it? Like, because, you know, like you could easily like have the scenario that there's three Irish provinces involved and, you know, a couple of Welsh provinces as well, or uh, regions as well. So um, just nuts. And then, yeah, you'll probably have to... There'll be some tables banged over in England again and somehow the, the rules will, will get changed again. But uh, the one I've kind of found interesting when we were kind of working out our, our permutations on, on Sports Joe earlier in the week was that somehow you could have a scenario where Leinster top the, um, top the, get the top seeding, get a home quarter final, and they end up against Exeter again. Like And, and Exeter pushed them damn close at the Aviva before Christmas. So they'd be up for that. So it's hardly a reward for Leinster for yeah, finishing what are the odds on beating Exeter three times in that close a time period yeah yeah I'm not sure I'd like that no it, it, and then Wait, would you prefer Saracens I think I'd prefer <laughs> Exeter isn't that the yeah it's like I don't think I'd like Saracens imagine your reward was for finishing top seeds with Saracens like Ulster gotten was it 2013 and the, the was it the pain red card then at the time and um, just you just don't want to come across. if somehow if Saracens can not be in the top eight then I think everybody will sleep better over, over the next couple of months Okay, Brendan's back with us and we're going to answer some of your fan questions. As usual, we put a call out on Twitter and these are the best ones we got in. Use the hashtag AskTHY to get yours in for next week. Um, First one. Right, this comes from Dermot. Um, Brendan, it says, can Brendan do the Royal Nugent impression? What's the Royal Nugent impression, Brendan? Um, I... I, uh I may have done a raw news impression on a plane coming back from Treviso. Um, she's could be six or six, six, maybe five or six years ago, which seems to constantly, after trying to get it taken off YouTube, still stays on YouTube. So, um, so that's probably where where this raw raw news impression um, comes from. But uh, you know, with with, with Tommy Bell retiring. Um, you know, this week I think it'd be rude not to. Uh, I think it'd be rude not to uh, to do a little one um, involving Tommy Volat. Yeah, I, so I, uh, I, th- I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I think so too. To be fair, um, okay, here goes. People will be looking at me now, thinking, "What the hell is he doing?" <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, geez, I need to remember this. I've done it in years. Um, oh, here we go. You ready, lads? Yeah, oh yeah. Sexton to Darcy back to Sexton Johnny Sexton Tommy Bo yes unbelievable yeah we're really helping putting this to bed aren't we (laughs) (laughs) Uh, excellent good man Brendan Brendan where are you sitting right now when you're doing that yeah I'm, I'm just sitting in the car here. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Talking away to himself. <laughs> uh, okay, here's one for from the Black and Red um, who they put in good questions. They're from uh, mm. Edinburgh, I think. So yeah, yeah. shout out to our Edinburgh listeners. Um, lots of attackers getting the benefit of not held decisions. Why the change? Are more players breaking tackles or is it the impact of the breakdown laws? Uh, I have a view on this. Um, Brendan, are you seeing more players getting back to their feet after the tackle because they haven't been held? Um, yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, no, two guys did an hour match the weekend and both got penalised um, for it. So depends if the referees are hot on us. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the defensive um, guys not committing because of the new rook rule and they, they're making that decision faster. 
Mm. And so guys are feeling there's less pressure around them. They feel as if there's no hands. I'm going to I'm going to go for it. And then you're into the situation where, like Brendan says, is the ref hot in this or not? But I, I certainly perceive the same thing as the questioner, which is we're seeing more people get back to their feet. Yeah, it's the, the Chris Clothe throw. I remember he got down in Cork there before Christmas when he, he was tackled, went to the ground. No one stood over him and he went in and scored a try. That's that's one of them, isn't it? It's just I'd say it's a breakdown. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. I, I always like seeing it. It shows a player who's who's still Clued thinking. In. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 seeing all the angles. Um, okay, next one, uh, Jamie McCauley. You may as well cover the correct pronunciation of Larmer. You've me awful confused. <laughs> right, Pat. I would say Larmer. Uh, Brendan. Larmer. I'm going with Larmer. There you go. Lamore. Is that what some people are saying? I've I've heard Lamore. Lamore to your. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> there was was it Nick Mullins was on, wasn't he? he was, I see he was on Twitter last night trying to get the pronunciation right as well. Uh, yeah, doing his homework. Oh, uh, yeah, doing his homework. It's good. I, I like to see commentators doing their homework. It's good. Uh, I got it, actually. Sorry, I got go an email there yesterday, and it was um, it, it was just I said, here's my Ireland team to play. You know, here's the Ireland team I want to play France, and uh, the subject heading was no farmer. And then it was like, <laughs> why do you not have Larmer in your squad? Spelt horribly wrong. <laughs> like, but I thought it was a, I thought it was getting spam email or something like that. But um, maybe it's really sophisticated spam specifically for rugby journalists. But no farmer, so rhymes with Larmer. So I'm never going to forget that pronunciation. All right, thank you, thank you, anonymous. <laughs> I know. You. Uh, next one, right? This is from Jason Ward. Any opinions on clear-outs at rook time with the complete lack of anything resembling an arm, more so the fact the referees are not policing this facet of the game? Well, I don't think they're not policing it, but very valid question. Uh, come up come up again and again over the last few years. Um, you see yellows and then a red if it's one of those with this contact to the head. Um, Pat, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's it's well, it's often the um, the attacking side seem to get the benefit of the doubt where these lads just come flying through and off their feet to kind of clear out rooks as well. And um, yeah, it, again, it depends. I suppose Brendan, you probably know that as well. It's like you, some refs are kind of hot on it, and some guys will will let it go. And uh, lads know pretty much within the first ten or fifteen minutes if this is fair game, and they can just go hurtling into the breakdown. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing now that you know. I think you see you see just like. You know, a passage of play could happen, and then the TMO could tell the ref to go back, and the ref goes back and he checks. Um, you know, uh, when when the um, you know the attacker has has uh, has put his has put his, his arm around the fella's neck, and he's and he's he's you know there's no actual that much harm done, but they get they they penalise him for that, and then obviously some refs just go like are just so hot on if, if, any, if any sort of. Um, you know, any sort of uh, part of the body touches the head, it's an automatic red card basically at this stage. So your technique and that has to be kind of has to be spot on. Um, so it does. Your read James Haskell sent off the weekend for um, you know for um, for colliding with um, Jamie Roberts' head, and it was you know it was it was 100% accidental. But his shoulder hit his head, and then that was that. And does Haskell could does like because I know he was very like he probably knew he was in the wrong like he was in, like pretty quick on Twitter and you know it was good to see him and Roberts kind of going back and forth about it but does he know he's wrong at the end of the game does he have to apologise to you guys or do you guys know that's just something that happens out on the pitch like he was trying to make a big hit I know he knew he knew he was wrong like he apologised you know straight away and you know he's 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 very honest he's a very honest individual and you know he he, he knew exactly um you know. 
probably you know when the ref was showing the you know when the ref was showing the or when the TMO was showing to the ref on the pitch, they so was thinking shit. Or I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be walking there. Yeah, the um, if you want to see a, a pretty bad clear out, uh, the Castra's Mama uh, Vaipulu. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Um, given five weeks, James Harrington um, on Twitter was pointing this out uh, for a bit of work against Ajan. Nasty little challenge. There's a guy, the 10 is trapped at the bottom of the pile and he just comes in from the side head high. Jesus. That's the sort of thing that they need to get rid of. But um, okay. It's, it's, it's the stuff that's malicious and it's the mm. stuff that's actually genuinely trying to hurt someone. You know, it's, like, like that. That's what we need to get rid of. I think. But the majority of them are kind of, you know, someone's just wrapped up and it's accidental almost. Yeah. Well, that's what we even saw with, like, Vunapola trying to make a big hit, got it wrong, got his angles wrong and ended up damaging himself and now he's out of the first two or three games of yeah. Six Nations, yeah. Yeah, with a broken arm, yeah. Okay, um, before we go, the uh, the Bastro affair over in... Um, that's, that's become odd. Murad's getting investigated now as well, Pat, for his comments. Yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. and I didn't even like that. Like, they knew that the announcement was coming and they still named him in the squad as well. So that's another show, show from the French, the FF4, that, like, they're supporting this lad as well. And um, just horrible. Like, just to even think that you could call someone, like, you know, a homophobic phrase, like, you could call this lad a faggot. Um, the fact that you could do that and then some would say top end of that is a six-week ban is pretty horrible. I, I don't know. I don't think I'd like to be in the room when they're deciding what words get certain weak bans, but six weeks at, as a maximum for that sounds pretty crap as well like and then to get that cut in half by 50% just because you pled guilty yeah. when it was caught on TV it's it just doesn't sit right with me at all it's pretty horrible the more yeah, I, I, I actually on. yeah no I was just to say I actually haven't I haven't I haven't seen too much of the incident I, I saw a bit of it on um, I saw a bit of it on social media but you know there's absolutely no just no time for that in the game whatsoever no, it needs to be got rid of. And again, I, I, I'd agree that the mixed signal is, is the thing. Um, I, I don't think mixed signals are good when yeah. it comes to, to this sort of thing. I, It's worth looking at the clip. Um, Bastro seems to be reacting to something all right, but that wasn't referenced from anything I can see in the decision. It's simply um, that they're saying there was no aggregating no factors aggregating at all. Factors, yeah. um, Murad's comments are a different kettle of fish now. He's um, in trouble as well. He's, <laughs> that boy is in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, lads, what did Murad actually say? I, I, I don't know what he said. I haven't seen it. So Murad speaking about the Bastro incident, basically said, so he went off and saying, look, this this term um, is in you know basically in the lexicon. It's not, he wasn't making an actual homophobic comment. It's just a bad word that you call someone when you're annoyed and frustrated I'm paraphrasing mm. right um, and then he said that uh, it, he, he's worried about the Mormons the Mormon history or whatever it, with, with the Welsh and Irish and it just honestly it's bizarre stuff it includes a reference to basically the only thing you're not allowed to talk about is paedophilia it's just it's it's really weird and it's on the Rugby Rama website up um, up there it's, it's worth a look but they are they did announce EPR, EPCR that they're investigating those comments uh, yeah, I wouldn't want more as my defence counsel. That's that's all yeah. I'd say. Um, yeah, no way. Yeah, and the the very very last thing because I know people people will ask, and I was asked before the show. Um, we haven't done a huge amount on Gerbrand Grubler, mm. right? Um, and right now, we have nothing huge to add this week. There's been a lot already said about it. Um, I will say, if you want some nuanced thought, look at Michael Foley's piece in the Times. That was good, yeah. That was very good. A lot of nuance into this, and what I would like to see is a bit more nuanced thinking. Um, we will cover it. Um, in, and we'll do it right 
but right now we're not adding to it this week um, if you've got any views um, email in whatever open to it but I just didn't want to leave the show goodbye, go by without actually um, referring to it um, okay we're going to leave it there uh, thanks to Brendan to Pat and John to Alan Lucknan for producing and Shane Dempsey was on sound we'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast subscribe to it on iTunes Podcast Republic SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone this has been The Hard Yards I'm Andy McGeady thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>